Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting again today from NCC, the classic at the Buffalo County Fairgrounds in Kearney, Nebraska. We've got a few more days of showing for the juniors now, so it'll be a busy time for our cattle producers and cattle producers that stopped to take a look at what these markets were like. And eh, we know we saw some negativity on this cattle complex, but they were more grinning about the grain side. And we're going to talk about what's been some of the factors in this grain complex today, especially the struggle that we saw in the wheat many did not see that coming and we saw a drop like what we did coming out of chicago we're going to get a look at all all the factors that are weighing in today with mike suzlo mike of course with global commodity analytics and maybe we need to start right there this huge drop in the wheat had a lot of factors that were being built into the trade yeah there are susan and i think your comment just now really resonates that the cattlemen and the ranchers uh, need to really be on the lookout for getting some corn needs bought here very very soon because in this week's copy from the agricultural outlook forum and that update that we got on the supply demand they took the usda ending stocks for this year up to about 1.9 billion bushels most importantly they put the uh, u.s average cash price at 560 well, notice that December corn today on uh, Friday closed at 576 and some change. You're talking about anywhere from a 25 under to a 55 under basis. You're talking about being well, well under the average cash price as we head into, uh, I think, a very troublesome, potentially troublesome um, supply time situation when it comes to Argentina, when it comes to our early spring weather, when it comes to the winter wheat coming out of dormancy. And, and so I think the risk is going to turn away from uh, the short side of the market. I'm, I'm hoping that anyway in early March uh, to mid-March and, and gives us another chance as corn hedgers to sell. But the cattleman, I think, needs to be ready to be doing something here, but potentially as quickly as in the next five to ten days. As you look, I mean, Chicago was worse than what Kansas City's market was. But is there some potential um, short-term hopes when it comes to some moisture possibilities as we start to warm up and, and look towards this early emergence? Yeah, excellent question because there are two things there. I, I really think that when the midday models came out from the GFS today, um, we, we entered into new lows in the wheat. And it, it's interesting, as you say, the soft red wheat let us lower. But I think, A, the Sunday night um, rains that could come, that has already been priced in in the trade. And so those rains are disappointing. And the European model is not buying into as big and as heavy a system, as big a coverage, and as as great of as amounts as the GFS model is. So I do think that's an issue to be watching on Sunday night's trade because we could need to put some premium back in. So that's point number one. I think point number two is what we saw today, I think you and I have talked about this a lot on the final bell and, and, and on the videos. Uh, a lot of times when we talk, we talk about how the wheat's kind of the canary in the coal mine, how it's the leader in the commodity sector. It's interesting today, we made new 2023 lows in gold, new 2023 lows in the Dow Jones futures, new 2023 lows in soft red wheat, but we stayed about 30 cents above the 2023 lows in hard red. And at the same time, we got within about 25 points of hitting a new 2023 high in the U.S. dollar index. And so these U.S. sanctions on Russia for aluminum that was reported this morning, that just drove us into a new 10-month low in the Russian ruble. 
the European wheat market and European corn markets fell apart after that happened. Then we had the U.S.-China decoupling that started this week and got more significant with U.S. troops going into Taiwan now to train and then China coming out with this 12-point plan when it comes to Ukraine. And so that helped us push into a new eight-week low in the offshore Chinese currency. So this is why I look at wheat so, so closely because I really do think it's an excellent uh, leading indicator for what the grain market wants to do maybe minus the beans and minus the soy meal. Is it hard to believe that a year ago today, this war with Ukraine started and we thought it was going to be short-lived. Many folks thought it would last a month or two, and now it's a whole year out. And not, and not only that, but I, I'm fearful that this next 60 to 90 days could bring about a much more vicious and larger war because if there's a, a, a Russian offensive that's already started and we're getting ready to have a Ukrainian offensive, which some of the European news sources and contacts I have would suggest that the Ukrainians are getting ready to do their own offensive, um, then we're talking about probably more of an air and sea battle as opposed to an actual land battle. And I think that really puts on the block the idea that the grain initiative that that black sea grain initiative that expires uh, on march 18th is going to get renewed and i think the trade i've seen from several different people and contacts that that they the trade i think has built into the price after friday that the grain initiative is going to get uh, extended for 120 days Um, but if that doesn't happen i think here again you're going to have to revisit some of these supply issues that you've essentially taken out of the market because you're right a year ago soft red wheat closed at 843 on a weekly close, we, we traded at close to $7 today. So you're not talking about any kind of wheat premium whatsoever when it comes to Ukraine now. What about this China-Russia deal? I, I would put this as the feet of the New East. I, I think the BRICS countries, um, and, and that would include Saudi Arabia and, and potentially India and Iran and South Africa, that they, I think, are going to become a new trading block, a new east of uh, world trade and, and more bilateral trade against a new west of Japan and, and the United States and Europe and, and so on and so forth. But I think that's what we're going into, Susan, and I think that decoupling that we're seeing in the United States and China leading the world in globalization, I think we're in the midst of that. I think agriculture is right in the crosshairs of that, and we see that in the forefront with the Brazilian corn going straight into China now. Well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about some, some factors on the grain side, but obviously what's been happening on the livestock side as well. We know that there's been a struggle today in this cattle market, even though it ended up in a mixed type of market feel. Many wondering what is going to happen. Is this setting the tone? And as we're recording this, they're just about ready to release the cattle on feed report, so we won't have those numbers to pass along. But I'm sure there's going to be some effects come Monday's trade with that. More is coming up. Stick around. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we're here to help you stay one step ahead during the coming growing season. With reliable local expertise. Fontenelle offers personal service and expert advice that comes from knowing local conditions. Agronomic support. We give you the agronomic tools to help you make informed decisions every step of the way. And if you're still making seed decisions, your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer has a good supply of locally proven varieties. Fontenelle, solutions you need, relationships you trust. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation this afternoon with Mike Zuzlo with Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, as I kind of led into at the front of the first half, I'm at NCC the Classic, which has been a week-long cattle show uh, for producers in a couple different states. And I had a gentleman stop by this morning. He asked who was going to be on the program, and I told him it was going to be you. And he, he smiled, and his exact quota says, I'm here today. He said, it's an ugly grain day that makes me smile. And I thought, from a grain perspective, yeah, numbers were definitely ugly today. But from a livestock perspective, it does cause them for a little bit of a smile. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I think there's two big things that we're going to have to watch out as, as cattlemen at this point and, and market analysts. And the one is the commitment of traders data. We're flying blind at this point, Susan. And that's starting to get to me a little bit from a standpoint of these new highs. And, and you know, we made a new 2023 closing high earlier this week in March feeders. And we continue to push that upper echelon and get up to those 2014, 2015 levels in the fat cattle. We're still well below that level in feeders, but we're really getting up there to, you know, say the April, May time period of 2015 for lead month fats. And I think that's a really key time period to really start looking at maybe getting some hedges in place if the commitment to traders report shows what I think it's going to show. And that's a very long fund community in the fat cattle market. I would also say that when I saw the uh, estimates for the cattle on feed report here in a little bit. Um, on feed numbers, average guess in Reuters 96.5, placements 97.1, marketings 103.9. But when I saw the on feed at 96.5 and the marketings at 103.9, I really sat back and I wondered, are we really beyond being current and pulling marketings forward that aggressively because the cattle numbers don't show that. Like today's weekly number was 618,000. That was down almost a percent and a half from last week and down 5% from a a week a year ago for the same week. And so I think we're a little bit more current, but, but I think we're also backing up cattle at this point. And that I think is the biggest issue in terms of not hedging cattle when April fats are 5 to $6 above USDA's average price. And one last thing is USDA did come out with fresh numbers in the meats like they did the grains, and they put the beef production down uh, 6% and the uh, pork production up 2%. But they kept the cattle average steer price at about 159 for the whole year. So I would say use that as an, a level to want to get above, you know, 5 $6 if you can. And I'm looking at hedging here for the second quarter after uh, after these numbers come out and did a little bit even today uh, for the second quarter. Got those booked uh, pretty much all the way done. So as you look at that consumption and equities for cattle, what is catching your attention for our producers? Yeah, the, the big thing right now is we've never we've not seen a real tight correlation or relationship between the, the stock market and, and the bond market and the, and the cattle market. We've seen the cattle find some real uh, surprisingly strong movement because of their own supply. But I think we are now starting to see more of a negative influence in the equities when they turn lower. It seems like that's where the longs take profit. And I think. Today's personal consumption expenditure number, that's the Fed's favorite inflation gauge. It came in much stronger than what we wanted to see. And uh, that that puts us at a point where the Federal Reserve could raise interest rates by half a point now in March. And I think cattle and stock market trade will get more and more in sync with one another. And that really troubles me if we see the Fed get more aggressive and not less aggressive. So how patient can we be waiting on cash? I mean, this just seems like the, you know, Groundhog Day every single Friday. 
I think we're going to see kind of a, the floodgates break open after the cattle on feed numbers and the commitment of traders. That's why I think that everybody's kind of on pause. But I also think the export sales are a good leading indicator, too. We saw the beef go down 35 percent from the four-week average, but pork actually up 35, 39 percent, with China taking 23 percent of the total. They were our number two buyer. I think both here in the United States and around the world, we're finding substitutes for beef at this point, and I want to stay ahead of that. As you look overall um, with hogs and, and cattle, what are some key takeaways that we need to be thinking of as we get towards, you know, spring grilling and, and just the movement that's been happening after a very long, cold winter? You know, it's it's very much like it was in 2014, 2015, where we're getting very, very eager to see these major highs made. And I, I just want to reiterate, we're there in, in terms of the range of highs. We always tend to think they're going to go higher than they do. And I think that's where... Um, I don't want to get caught with that, especially with, you know, some April bought puts that I looked at today and got some in place for some clients um, the, with the implied volatility very low and the April bought puts very inexpensive, in my opinion. I think that's a really great floor to put underneath you. And then you don't have to guess how high high is, because if, it keep going, if you keep going higher, you can offset that put loss and still probably be in the green as far as making even more off of that per head. Lots of great stuff we talked about today, Mike. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best place to go is globalcomresearch.com. That's globalcom with two M's, research.com. Otherwise, give me a call at 866-471-2588. I love talking to people about their specific needs, so don't hesitate to call me after the close. All right. Thanks so much. Mike Zuzalo has been joining us as we wrap up another trading week. And next week, uh, a short week when it comes to the month of February as we jump into March. I want to remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.